the financial dads are not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, tax or other advice in or by virtue of this podcast. Hello, welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Paul Becker. This podcast is for all the moms and dads out there who struggle with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. Now here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast. A quick show note, the other Paul is not available this week, uh, so this Paul is flying solo. Uh, Today's podcast is with a really good friend of mine, Drew Cuomo. Um, I will talk to Drew about buying and selling new cars in 2022. Uh, Drew just went through this and has some real-world experience and has a ton of knowledge to convey. Um, He lives in North Carolina, has three daughters, and also, once again, like I said, a good friend of mine. Drew, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, this this is great, Drew. And I know that there's been a lot going on. Tell us a little bit about what you've been doing, your journey, and then we'll kind of jump in to your latest car buying experience, but tell, tell our audience a little bit about you. I know we, we met a few years ago at, at, at a company yeah. together and we were there for a while yeah, and yeah. we became friends there and it's kind of stuck. And then uh, coincidentally, our daughters have been, have become friends uh, both virtually in person now with the technology, a lot changes, yeah, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, tell me a little bit about what's been happening and, and, and uh, we'll jump into the car buying experience. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, what's to tell? Um, in my mid forties, uh, you know, I was working in uh, or and still am working in the world of IT for uh, you know twenty three years now. Uh, you know, had a, a sampling of lots of different industries and lots of different companies. Uh, you know, love absolutely what I do, and uh, you know, it's 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 been great. It's been uh, it's been as you said a journey. You know, uh, you know, born in, uh, you know, New York and, and lived in New York all my life. And now, uh, you know, settling down into the more relaxing times of North Carolina. Yeah, I was going to ask you, but we talked a little bit, vibing a little bit. Is there a main difference that you could tell our audience between living in a very populated, very pricey part of the U.S., kind of that New York, New Jersey area? Uh, Connecticut area versus moving, picking up stakes and moving down to the Carolinas. What's been the biggest difference that you've seen um, culturally or financially? Maybe you could, maybe we spend that. We'll go off target for a little bit. Just tell us a little bit about that. What are some of the key differences you're seeing? Oh, uh, I I see more and more every day and I experience more and more every day. Um, I'll definitely say that down here, a lot of people are a lot more patient and a lot more friendly Everybody is high and goodbye and good morning and good afternoon. Uh, the one rule that we actually have that I didn't even know we had until somebody pointed out to me is, you know, I live in a, uh, a subdivision. So there's probably, I don't know, you know, 150, you know, houses or whatnot in my, you know, kind of small little subdivision. And uh, the rule of thumb here is, is when a car passes by, you wave. Hmm. And that's something that I haven't seen in you know, you know, since I was like young in the late seventies, early eighties, right. You used to wave to your neighbors, you say hello to your neighbors. And then, you know, today, you know, nobody knows their neighbors, right. You know, they, they live in their house, they're confined in their house. They don't go outside, but everybody here is so just open and friendly and nice. And, and, and everybody's giving, uh, you know, when we bought this house, the neighbors came over and dropped off cookies and a bottle of wine. I mean, this is just stuff that you just don't hear about in New York anymore. So it's definitely a, a whole new experience. Um, traffic down here is nothing like 
New York. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, even if there's cars on the road down here and you would consider that to be traffic, quote unquote, um, you know, you're still driving at 40, 50, 60 miles an hour along with everybody else. So, you know, there's no sense of, I mean, I'm from Long Island, right? So we, we, we go from like the Long Island Expressway, you know, everybody's heading into the city and it's just tons and tons of traffic and bumper to bumper and brake lights and everything. And you have nothing like that down here whatsoever. Um, you know, definitely a lot less political down here. Um, you know, obviously there's probably politics everywhere, but a lot less political down here. And uh, I'll say that the biggest thing down here is, is that the taxes, uh, you know, owning a house in New York and having these ridiculous taxes compared to, to taxes on a house down here, uh, you know, it doesn't, doesn't compare. So, um, you know, it's, it's definitely, a, I don't want to call it a learning curve because it's probably the, the, the wrong way to put it. Um, I would say an adjustment factor. Uh, but, uh, you know, I fell in love with, uh, you know, down here in North Carolina, uh, you know, the, the minute I stepped foot, you know, into the neighborhood and it's, uh, you know, again, it's, it's, it's one of the greatest things I ever did for myself. It's, it's just been phenomenal. That's cool. Yeah. I think at one point in one of the podcasts, we talked about moving, I don't know if it was moving to a lower cost area, but you know, it could be an interesting podcast topic in the future. Once you get some more of your bearings down there. Um, because I know that my brother anecdotally at one point was looking at, this was many, many years ago. He was looking at the Carolinas, in fact, and mm -hmm. I think it was in the Charlotte area. And, okay. you know, I started researching, you know, real estate taxes, school systems, um, insurance on the home. I was trying to figure out where's the gotcha. And there doesn't seem to be one. Everything seems to be legitimately lower cost. Now, gas isn't lower, maybe a little bit lower. There's like, I guess there, you know, there, you know, a bar of soap is a bar of soap. Gas is gas. I mean, I, there are probably some things that are comparable no matter where you are in the U S but I think you hit it on the head between taxes, but I also found like insurance on the home and, you know, um, mm -hmm. stuff like that was even much cheaper. So it, it's very interesting. So maybe we'll table that discussion for another podcast once you're down there a few sure. more months we'll we'll maybe have you back on the show we'll do a podcast on awesome. kind of relocating to kind of that that southern area because i think a lot of our listeners um would would get a lot of value from that um but today i think we want to talk about your latest car buying experience and we chatted about this a few weeks ago when you were in town in new york and yep, you yep. were in the middle of buying your buying your buying a new car and then you got an offer on that car from the dealer you were buying from but you I think you might have sold it to another dealer so maybe you could walk us through what your latest car buying experience has been and maybe you know we and then we could dig into some of the lessons learned and some additional questions around that yeah sure sure so for the last I would say 20 years um, I've been leasing cars I I, I I bought a car probably in the, in the nineties and that was probably the last time I actually, you know, bought a car lat, you know, the, the late nineties, you know, maybe early two thousands. And then ever since then, I basically was just in this kind of leasing phase. Um, you know, the whole thought of, you know, having a new, you know, car, fresh car, brand new car, um, you know, every three years was very appealing. You know, I was like, ah, oh, you know, I'll have a car for three years and I'll give it back and get something else. And, you know, was really, you know, excited about that. And then, the, the one downside obviously that everybody knows about leasing is, is that, you know, you're, you know, you're held to a mileage, right? You know, whether it's going to be 10, 12, you know, 15,000 miles a year, 
you know, with me living in North Carolina now, uh, you know, my kids are up in New York. So, you know, tr- I frequently am going to travel between, you know, North Carolina and New York. Uh, most of the time I'll be driving, occasionally I'll fly. But, uh, you know, I wanted to make sure that uh, I wasn't going to get dinged at the end of a lease with, okay, you know, you, you're supposed to have 36,000 miles on this, uh, on this lease and, you know, you're returning it with 60,000 miles. So 15 cents per mile and, you know, open up your checkbook and uh, give us a check for this. So I felt that it was probably the right time to buy a car, you know, outright. And, you know, I had a, uh, you know, a, you know a, a Nissan Rogue and the car was great. It was just, I wasn't in love with it. And it wasn't something that I actually wanted to buy outright. So I was looking at my options and uh, I was about two years into the lease, which I thought was going to be a problem, right? Because typically, you know, you break a lease and there's penalties and fines and, and whatever have you. And I've never broken a lease before, so I had no idea what I was looking at, but just really worried about that whole what if kind of situation. And um you know, a friend of me, a friend of mine told me at the time, um, maybe what you'd want to do is just call the dealer that you got the car from and see if they'll take it back. Because like right now, you know, uh, new cars are extremely difficult to come by, especially if you wanted something special, right? You might be waiting for, you know, six or eight months for something. And uh, used cars are more impossible to come by. And, uh, you know, he's like, maybe they'll just take the car back from you. And I said, okay. So, you know, while he's in the car, I made a phone call to the person I bought the car from. Oh, sorry. I leased the car from. And she was like, yeah, we'll take the car. You know, no questions asked. Just just drop it off. And you can actually even drop that off to any of the uh, any of the Nissan dealers. And, uh, you know, they'll gladly just take it back. And I said, okay, well, what about, you know, the disposition payment? And she's like, well, you're still on the hook for that unless one of the dealers actually wants to buy it. Right, you returning it, you you know you can get rid of your lease, but that disposition end of lease payment is is still yours. So she's like, but there might be a dealer, including the one that she worked for, that may want to buy it. I said okay. So I started saying okay, you know at least I know I have that question answered. Uh, you know I don't have to worry about panicking about returning the car. So at least you know, that's one thing. But now what do I want to buy? So I started looking at other, you know, car, you know, uh, you know, models was possibly looking at a hybrid, you know, because again, to save on, you know, miles and and save on gas, you know, with driving between New York and uh, North Carolina, and they were impossible to find. There was promises saying, hey, you know, we've got three on order, they'll be here between this time and that time. But those timeframes just were outside of the window in which I needed them. Mm -hmm. I needed it at a certain time. I'm moving to North Carolina at this time. Um, and they're talking about like the end of the year or beginning of January. And I'm like, I don't, I don't have that kind of time. So, you know, you know, again, beggars can't be choosers. So I had to, you know, kind of say, not going to do the, uh, not going to do the, the hybrid. So mm-hmm. I started, you know, looking around and, uh, ultimately, you know, uh, you know, went down to, uh, you know, Mazda dealership and I found a, uh, a CX five that I really liked. And he was like, Hey, he goes, we'll have this car in three weeks. And I said, are you guaranteed? He goes, yeah, it's actually on the, you know, it's in transport right now. We'll definitely have it within three weeks. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. So um, we started talking about numbers. And this is, you know, this is kind of the the first thing that I felt was really interesting is in the past, whether I was buying a car or leasing a car, there's always that window sticker. There's always that MSRP on the number that says, hey, this is what the car costs from the factory. And I've always known you know, in the past that 
nobody pays MSRP, mm-hmm. right? You're you're normally paying something under sticker, whatever it is, five hundred, a thousand dollars, maybe more, maybe less under sticker. But because of this car situation that we're in right now here in the U.S., um, most dealers are adding. They could be adding five thousand to the sticker, ten thousand to the sticker, twenty thousand to the sticker. You know, and I thought that was crazy. The only time that I actually saw that ever happen before, I was in a Ford dealership. Oh, geez, many many years ago, and um, I think they had like a limited edition, like Mustang or whatever, and there was only like you know twenty of them made or something mm-hmm. like that, and it was behind like velvet ropes or whatever. And they said the window sticker is whatever it was, sixty thousand dollars. We're going to sell that car for a hundred thousand dollars because I know somebody wants it, so we're going to charge a a forty thousand dollar premium. And I was like. Not me, but good luck. <laughs> yeah. But now that's the that's the common that's so common these days where it's like the window sticker on a car could be thirty five thousand dollars and you're paying forty five, maybe you're paying fifty for that same car because they have the ability to do so. So you know, do I agree with it? No, but what are you going to do? Right, your hands are tied. You have no options. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that. You know, you hit on a bunch of different things, and I had a similar experience. I think it was in, and I think, man, I don't know when this new world started. I guess it started in 2021, where used cars are actually going up in value. <laughs> like it's a, it's yeah. an odd yeah. time that we're in between. I guess they blame chip shortages and COVID. shortages of cars right. coming in, and 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 robust economies, and all these other factors that come in. And driving the price on both you new and used up, which is which is a fun, it's it's a it's it's a phenomenon I've never seen before. And to your point, I've always been able to negotiate some level of discount from the MSRP. Right. And when we bought my wife's car in July of 2021, yeah, I believe that's when we bought it. Um, yeah, that summer. Um, I, I it was right at I think it was kind of like we went into the dealer we test drove a couple and I naively tried to negotiate the price and there was no negotiation um, I was told this is the price and and I remember friends telling me about this but then you know we we, we want we needed the car For, I don't want to go into a long pro, protracted story on it but we we needed a third car. Um, and you know, my son was driving, he got my wife's old car where she, she got the new car. Um, it was all, mm-hmm. all good. And, uh, but I didn't realize till later on that in a weird way, we got a deal because we paid what they were asking. And so right. it really is like this, this thing. And, and I think that, you know, when it comes to the MSRP and the sticker price and everything, you're right. You're right. It's the supply and demand that's really kicked in. And I guess, did you wind up selling your old car to the Ma- to the Mazda dealer? Is that what happened? So instead of turning yeah. it into Nissan for kind of, hey, we'll take it back, give it to us, no problem, bring yeah, it back, yeah. you were actually able to um, make a little bit of money on it to kind of offset the cost of buying the new car, right? Did I get the story? Yeah, correct? yeah. So, yeah, yeah, very close. So um, somebody told me many, many years ago, about residual value on leases. Mm-hmm. And I, younger time, didn't understand it, you know, wasn't, you know, wasn't interested, you know, um, 
But somebody's like, oh, if you're returning a lease and you're returning it with like very, very low miles, you might want to, um, you might want to consider, you know, selling it and seeing if there's any kind of residual value on, on your lease. And this is again, you know, years ago. And uh, again, never a thought in my mind, uh, you know, would I ever, you know, either have any interest in doing that. It just sounded complex. So um, I was on Facebook and a buddy of mine posted something, and I don't remember exactly what the post was, but there was a uh, there was a guy that said, "Hey, I buy out leases." And uh, again, not anything towards me. They're having this conversation. He's like, "I buy out leases, and if anybody knows anybody that has a lease that is, uh, you know, you know, anywhere between twelve and eighteen months to go, you know, you could walk." You know, you could drop your car off, you know, give us the keys and walk out with money in your pocket. And I was just like, it, it spurred that memory that I had many, many years ago where somebody actually told me that there's residual value on leases. But I guess more so now because of these, you know, used cars. So, or lack of used cars. So I called them up and I explained to them, you know, kind of what my situation was. And they were like, okay. So, you know, they wanted pictures of the car. They wanted to know if there was any kind of body damage, if there was any accidents. They wanted, you know, the VIN number. They run a Carfax, whatever it is. So I sent them all of the information, basically told them, you know, what my ultimate payoff amount was and what, you know, how many you know months I had left and, you know, and so on. So uh, they came back to me within, I think, you know, a couple of days. And they're like, all right, you know what? We want your car. We're going to take it and we're going to give you a check for two grand. Hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. And I'm like, you take care of the rest of the payments. You take care of this position payment, you know, because again, this is foreign to me. I was like, wait, what? You know, you're going to take my lease off of me, which again, Nissan said, hey, just drop your car off. So I don't know who's right here, right? It's just, it, again, it's, it's alien to me. I, I've never heard this before. And you're going to give me a check for $2,000 and, you know, I'm getting it that day. It's not like you're mail it to me. He's like, no, no, no. You leave with a check for two grand. And um, I was like, okay, that sounds like a great deal. All right. You know, but I can't do it now because one, I don't have my new car yet. So I apologize. It's storming here. If you That's hear, okay. Like, we call that authenticity. <laughs> the background noise. You'll hear so. garages going up and down, garage doors. <laughs> okay. You'll hear storms. You'll hear dog, dogs barking, kids crying. There you go. It's just two dads. Reemphasize nice. two dads having a conversation in their awesome. homes, in their home, quote unquote, studios. And uh, so don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's our All right, cool, cool, cool. Just want to make sure. So, uh, yeah, so he's like, yeah, we're going to give you a check for two grand. You leave with it. And I'm like, oh, okay, so, you know, I can't do it now, but we'll, I'll give you a call back like, you know, two weeks before the, you know, when I get, when I know that my new car is available, we will talk again. So that was an option. I was, you know, out of sight, out of mind, knew that was what was going to happen. I'm good to go. Then I get a letter in the mail, unsolicited, you know, I open it up and it's from an Acura dealership that was nearby. And I'm like, I open it up and I'm like, oh, that's weird. And it says in the letter, uh, we understand that you have, you know, this, this Nissan Rogue, we want to buy it. Um, and, you know, it, it also says that you're in under, you know, no obligation to buy an Acura if you sell us the car. And I thought that was, hey, that's how car dealerships get people in. That's just 
what I've been trained over the, you know, 30 years I've been, you know, you know, having cars. And, uh, I was like, all right, well, this is something. And at the bottom of it, it says, we will give you a minimum of $4,500 and it's Mm. written. So I'm like, okay, that's interesting. So I was like, you know what? Let me go down there and at least have a conversation with them to figure it out. And, uh, you know, I walk in and I have a letter in hand and I sit down with, uh, you know, a sales guy. And I said, before we even entertain this conversation, I want to let you know that I have no interest buying an Acura. I said, I, I think your cars are beautiful, but they're outside of my price range. I just can't afford an Acura. Mm-hmm. So uh, he said, no, he's like, that's not what that's about. Right now, you know that used cars are impossible to find. And basically, we're looking to you know buy as many used cars as we possibly can to be able to resell them. I said, okay. So uh, he's like, you know, can I have your keys? I give him the keys. He goes out, does an inspection with his manager or whatever. They walk around the car a few times. He walks and he goes, he goes, we want your car. And I said, okay, that's great. And he goes, we want it today. And I'm like, but I can't give it to you because I don't have a car yet. Right. He's like, can you borrow a car from somebody for a couple of, you know, a couple of weeks and then you get the car? I'm like, no, I just can't do that. So he goes, um, he goes, if you give us the car today, I'll give you $5,500 and you'll walk out with a check now. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, all right, can I rent a car? You know, (laughs) I'm trying to do the math really quickly saying, wow, I wasn't expecting that. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it just it, it just wasn't going to work. So I said, listen, I said, I appreciate the offer. Um, I will definitely come back here to sell the car, but um, I, I just can't do it today. I said, you know, does this number decrease drastically or, you know, you know, what is it? He goes, listen, he goes, I can't I, I can't guarantee you that I'll be able to give you fifty five hundred bucks in a month. He goes, because obviously the market is going to continue to be a shift and change and whatever. He said, but uh, he goes, it'll be close. I said, okay. Uh, so, you know, on the on the way back, uh, you know, from that dealer, I called the original company that was going to, you know, those original guys that I met, you know, on that Facebook group. Um, and I said, listen, I said, you know, you were going to give me two grand. They're giving me 4,500 uh, or if it was like 5,500 at the time. It Ultimately, we settled on 4,500, but... 5,500 at the time. I was like, you know, can you, can you come close, you know, from that? And he goes, no, he goes, I can't touch that. You know, if, if they're willing to give you that kind of money for the car, you, you, you hit gold, go, you know, go that direction. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, cool. So long story short, if this was a shorter, shorter version of the long story, but, um, ultimately, um, it, it actually worked out and I felt really weird about it. You know, I went out and uh, I picked up my, uh, so first, you know, on the day that I was going to pick up my Mazda, you know, Mazda called me and said, Mm -hmm. Hey, we have your car. It's ready to go. When do you want to take it? And I said, all right, I'm going to pick it up on this, like this Monday or whatever it was. And, uh, you know, immediately called the Acura dealership, which is actually like less than a mile from the other dealership, really down the same street. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I said, Hey, I said, you know, I'm going to pick up my car on this day. You know, are you still interested in picking up the car? He's like, yes. He goes, but we can't give you the 55. We'll give you $4,500 for it. And I said, okay, well that's still better than two grand or zero. Yeah, absolutely. I said, that's fine with me. 
So sure enough, I still felt weird about this because I was like, nobody's going to give me a check to drop off this car, right? It, it just it just felt weird. And uh, sure enough, I go to the Acura dealership and, uh, you know, I drop off the car. He takes the plates off my car and, um, you know, hands them to me and uh, said, all right. He goes, uh, you know, hang tight. We'll have a check for you in a few minutes or whatever. And sure enough, a few minutes later, he hands me a, a, a form to fill out for like the odometer reading. And he gives me paperwork from Acura and he gives me a check and he goes, here you go. And wow. I'm like, that's it. And he goes, that's it. And I'm like, all right. So at that point, the Mazda dealership was nice enough to come get me because I had no way to get from one dealership to the other. <laughs> they picked me up. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, that check that I got from Acura went into my account, and that was now the down payment on the other car. Okay. So I didn't make any money really from any of this. I basically just took the money out of one and, and put it into the other. But uh, it was it was definitely a weird experience. And then uh, you know, then you know, me, I just became like weirded out about this entire situation like are they really going to pay off the car payments like mm. you know what are they going to do with nissan and i ultimately said you know if it was like a fly-by-night guy small little you know whatever you know maybe not but i mean it's it's accurate so i'm like just it's cool it's cool it'll work out it's work out and then sure enough i got an email from nissan you know as a, a thank you saying thank you for closing out your account you owe nothing on the car things like that so that kind of brought closure to the entire deal but, uh, you know, through this entire, you know, kind of process, it was it, the, the weirdest and most different and interesting car experience I've ever had in my entire life, right? Because yeah. it's just things like this just generally don't happen ever. Yeah, I was going to say five years ago, this probably wouldn't play out, right? It would be much different. But I, I think there's definitely some, some lessons learned here. And from what I'm hearing, you know... Um, if, if, especially now, especially people who, like you said earlier, if you're used to just returning your car and you have low mileage and all that kind of stuff, you know, take a step back. You, you might be sitting on a lot more money than you think. Um, and it sounds like that you do want, and not necessarily negotiation, but you do want to check out a few different venues to see how much somebody would give you for your car, starting with, you know, the place you bought it and, Ask them mm -hmm. what they're going to do. And they were ready to charge you a disposition fee. So that was going to be negative. And then you yeah, went yeah. To somewhere else and they said, oh, we'll give you two grand. And that seemed like a great deal until this other deal popped up for 4500 So it sounds like almost analogous to getting work done, like an estimate at your house. Like you want to get three inputs, three bids, three yeah. quotes, whatever you want to call it, to make sure you're getting the best deals. That's the, that's what popped out into my head immediately. The other thing that yep. popped out, and I don't know if you've had any experience with, with the CarMax and Carvanas of the world, they seem to be the ones that are driving some of this because they are, you know, these big conglomerates that have big investment dollars to buy inventory and, and keep seeding their right. own inventory. Uh, but you also said something interesting I didn't think about, and, and, and is that's around, if you're going to make the deal, make it, make the deal with a big, sturdy business. Would you agree on that part? Like if you had a fly by night come to you and said, Hey, I'll give you 5,500 for your car, but you bring it to ABC auto, as opposed to I'll give you 4,500 to bring it to the Acura dealer. 
I'm with you. I didn't think about that angle till you pointed it out. Are, am, is the paperwork going to be correct? Are they going to pay this thing off properly? Am I going to get a lien against whatever I own because they didn't do the right thing? And using a really strong, you know, know, know who's buying it from you probably gave you more of a comfort level. And it did. And it did. You know, if I had a car that was completely paid off and I owed no money to anyone on it, and somebody came over and just locked, knocked on my front door and said, "Hey, I see that you've got a you know for sale sign in your car, and you know I'll give you you know three grand for it right now." Sure, you know whatever. You know the, again, here's your title. You know goodbye, have fun. You know no problem. But when there was an obligation to a you know to a lender, you know having this other company. I mean, you know I did the 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 investigation on this other company the initial company that wanted to give me the two grand and they're totally legitimate and so on uh but again it was you know them versus acura so i'm like <laughs> you know acura seemed like the the bigger of the name so i was like you know what i feel a little bit more comfortable kind of going in that direction but uh but yeah yeah did you ever think about going up the direction of private sale so you know going to the market you owe X amount to Nissan. You mark it up by six grand plus what you owe. Put it out there on Facebook sales or Craigslist or, or some other mechanism to try to sell it. Did you ever think about that part? Um, was that ever coming to your mind that you could get a little more money out of it? Good question. I probably could have gotten a little bit more. Um, didn't really, didn't really consider it, you know, at all. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, no, no. Yeah, I think you know, I, yeah, I think for me the hassle factor and the risk the hassle factor is particularly higher and the risk factor is particularly higher and you have to find that person who's got, you know, 15 20 grand or whatever it is, I don't know, I'm just guessing, right, in disposable right. cash to exactly. come give you the money to buy this thing mm-hmm. out and then circulate that through Nissan credit corp or whoever you put, you know, yep. so I, but that was one of the things I think years ago discouraged people from, they always brought it back to the dealer because it's less hassle. Right. right? Yeah. You I, get, I agree. You and and to you, your point, yep, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. To your point, like if I was going to, you know, let's do a private sale on that, you know, all of a sudden, you know, now I have to have all, you know, it's the, the, these random people come to, you know, a place, right? Mm-hmm. You know, my house, typically, um, you know, and everybody's going to want to test drive the car. And what happens if while they're test driving the car, they get into an accident or something of that nature? It's just a lot more stress, a lot more, um, you know, you know, it's just a lot more hassle, like you said, mm-hmm. you know, to, to even, you know, kind of focus on something like that. So, you know, I'm sure that those things, you know, could, you know, potentially work and, and work out well for some. But, uh, you know, in, in this continue, you know, in this in this case, I was just like, you know what, let's try to just make it as easy as possible. And, and my timeline was really, really tight, you know, where it was like, hey, you know, I put it up on, you know, Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace. And, you know, I have six months, you know, whatever happens, happens. You know, I had really the span of about four to five weeks mm-hmm. to basically get this whole entire thing all taken care of. So, um, you know, I really couldn't sit there and, you know, kind of look at every option I possibly could have. Yeah, you know, some options could have given me a little bit more money. But, you know, the fact is, is that, you know, I had a lease that, you know, ultimately I was just going to be paying for. And I was able to walk away with, a you know, walk away from a lease with with a check. 
um, you know, again, that was unheard of. And I was really, again, you know, be, be the skeptic that I am, you know, doubting the entire process through the entire process until, you know, when I had a check in my hand and two Nissan came back to me and says, well, thank you very much. Your entire car is paid off and you have nothing else. And it's completely off my credit report at this point. It's all taken care of. So, you know, I know that it all worked out, but it was just a, a very surreal experience. That's great. Yeah. And when I, when I mentioned the private sale, I wouldn't sell it private sale either. I would, I, I just wanted to, it's really for conversational purposes. I think we just want to point out yeah. to the listeners that you might be able to squeeze a little bit more juice out of the lemon, but you may sting your fingers <laughs> trying to get that extra yeah. juice. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. I said it correctly, yeah. but I think people, you know, it, it could be a real hassle. Everything from, you know, uh, co- complex paperwork and negotiations to you're on the test drive and you get pushed out of your own car. <laughs> the guy drives yeah. off and into and, the sunset. Yeah. And, and for people out there, I'm half laughing because we all know that that happens. Right. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. I, I think, yeah. you know, you have all these great options nowadays you know, you bring it to the dealer that you that you're originally working with. You, you you shop it with other dealers. Maybe you call Carvana. Maybe call Carmax. Right? Some of these other people that these other places that have been built purposefully built to buy. Um, I've heard anecdotally. Um, I think I think um, I think it was uh, Paul. The other Paul has used Carvana. I believe he talked about it on the show and has had success. So people have had good deals with Carvana. I'm not plugging them. They don't. They don't promote us. Um, I'm not trying to promote them. Just use them as an example. There are other comparable buying services out there that will buy your car. But I think to your point, Drew, which I think you had all these little lessons baked into your narrative of you know get multiple bid. You know get multiple bids. If you don't ask, you don't get. Uh, right. You can politely negotiate and pit one offer against the other without feeling weird, right? You can say, hey, you know, you're giving me two. This other company's clearly giving me a lot more. Is there anything you could do before I go to the other place, right? And maybe maybe they would have come back and said, you know what? I'll split the middle with you. Maybe you would have done it because you're already done. You know what I mean? Like, you're right. And and, and so, you know, I think there's all these different things that kind of pop into my mind. Did you do any other research? This was, it sounded like it just kind of happened organically. This just happened organically, right? I just went along for the ride, you know, on on all of this. Um, You know, it's just, it, it all happened so rapidly and quickly that it wasn't even like, all right, you know, let me take a break. Let me take a step back. Let me kind of reevaluate my options. It was just one after the next, after the next, after the next, because again, you know, my whole idea was I was just going to drop the car off at Nissan and saying, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I wanted to really, I guess at the end of the day, walk away from the lease without really owing anything. Right. You know, cause you know, 10 years ago, you walk away from a lease, you break your lease. Oh my God, there's penalties and whatever, you know, it's, it's crazy. So for me to be able to just walk away from the lease, drop the keys on the desk and say, okay, well, thank you so much. I'm done. You know, was, was really what the goal was. The goal was never to get money back. The goal Mm. was just to get out of the lease safely without owing anything. And, uh, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, Random Facebook post. I start talking to them. They're they want to give me money, and then just out of the blue, I get a solicitation to the uh, to to my to my house saying, "Hey, you know, this other dealership wants to give me X number of dollars more." So it was just like one after another after another. It just kind of flowed, and 
you know, again, it just worked out. And it was the, even though it sounds like there was a lot of back and forth and craziness and so on, the entire process could not have been more smoother. You know, again, I was waiting for like what you said earlier, I was waiting for a gotcha. I was waiting for somebody to say, Mm. guess what? You know, that's not how this works. And we got you and we scammed you. But it was completely legitimate from the beginning to the end. Um, you know, I will say that the one thing that um, was more painful that I've ever dealt with in the past is um, the car buying experience. Now, granted, I, I did settle on my Mazda and the, the, the person I worked with over at my Mazda dealership was so super nice, friendly, uh, so atypical of a car salesman said, hey, this is, you know, this is what we have. This is what we're going to have. He was really super friendly. He was not pushy by any means. But prior to going there, because I didn't know what I wanted. Uh, do I want to get a, another Nissan? Do I want to get a Ford? Do I want to get a Honda? I mean, I went to all of these dealerships. And it got to the point where, you know, understanding like all of these dealerships are now charging as we started, you know, at the, the top of this, uh, the top of the podcast, we're talking about the the additional money that people are charging on top of sticker. So, you know, they, you know, Hey, I wanted to get, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, a Honda hybrid. And they're like, yeah, we're charging, you know, 10 K on top of that, even if we can get them, Hmm. you know, I was like, well, I'm not going to spend, you know, I don't want to have an $800 car payment, uh, you know, every month. I mean, yeah, you know, my thought of having an $800 car payment is a car that has three letters in it, not a Honda. Um, (laughs) but you know, all of a sudden, you know, it was like that became the reality. And I mean, it got to the point where, you know, there was car dealerships that were saying, I'm sorry, um, you know, I know you're looking at a car payment between, you know, five and $600, which still a, a car payment between 500 and $600 is, it's the reality of today, but that's still an insane amount of money every month to be paying for a car. But, you know, that's what it is. But, um, <clears throat> you know, they were like, yeah, your car payment is going to be $800. And I'm like, well, that's, we're so far apart on our numbers right now. And, you know, years ago, you would never have a car dealership allowing you to leave. Mm. And they were like, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do for you. We wish you the best. Have a great day. Yeah, that- And I was just like, I'm sitting in your chair right now. And I want to like give you a down payment for something, but you're going to freely let me get up. And, and walk out the door. And that's a lot of them. That's, that's what it was. Um, other car dealerships I went to, I mean, I went to Toyota cause I was looking at maybe a new RAV4 at the time. And, um, you know, they were like, yeah, we, we, we've got nothing on the lot, you know, and, and we've got nothing coming in, you know, it's, so it's, it's, it's a completely different experience from not only on the buying side, but also on this, on the, you know, getting rid of my lease side. Yeah, so once again, very, very interesting world. Yeah, you had to once again, you know, look at go to different dealers, go look at different options to kind of find either they, I think it sounded like they're either over sticker and and the and the the payment would be exorbitant or they couldn't get you something. So it's interesting. You sort of had to buy a car nowadays. You sort of have to work at it to to find that that deal. Right. Um, I think someone says, uh, someone had a saying, there's, there's a deal of a lifetime available every day or something like that, where if you look hard enough, you'll find the deals. 
but that's yeah. interesting from a car buying experience where now, you know, five years ago, um, the, the buyer was more in the driver's seat. Now, uh, because of everything going on, at least in 2021, 2022, God, I don't know how long this will go on for, but but for, for the foreseeable future, it will be this way, which is very interesting. Um, the one thing I also wanted to point out for listeners is I, I have another another friend of mine who was way over on their mileage, and they were nervous about bringing it back to the dealer because they were on a lease and they were way over, but it turned out they made money even with going over the miles, which wow. is interesting, right? So they still yeah. got money or still got credit and they still wave stuff because the cars are that valuable. So I don't know. I think we'll go into the recap. I think for me, the things that I took away from, and thanks Drew for doing this. I mean, I think yeah, I love no to get this real authentic story out to the community, uh, whether you're buying or selling, it sounds like, you know, you want to, Go to multiple dealers, get multiple bids on the car you're selling. Uh, really do your research and go to multiple dealers to try to find a deal for the car you're buying. Try to avoid paying those 10K, 5K over sticker, 20K over sticker type deals. Um, and then, you know, use, you know, offers against each other to try to negotiate a better deal. That's what I took away from today. Do you have any last words before we kind of wrap up the podcast? Yeah, I would say there's, there's one more thing that I would add at the very end. And, and this is something, again, you know, that I, I've had experience with, you know, years ago where, you know, if I wanted to go in and I wanted a, uh, I, you know, I'm just going to pick a, a random car, a, uh, you, know, a, you know, a red Ford Fusion. I'm, again, just picking a random car. Wonder a red Ford Fusion. I walk into a Ford dealership and I'm like, hey, I want to buy a red Ford Fusion. And this is the configuration. And like, well, we don't have any red Ford Fusions here. Uh, but we've got, you know, black ones. And I'd say, well, I don't want a black one. I want a red one. You know, there's a lot of times in the past where I've done things like that. And the Ford dealerships will say, hey, you know what? I can make a deal with a local Ford dealership. You know, they want a black one. You want the red one. We'll do a trade, you know, things like that. The dealerships, especially the dealerships that I've dealt with over the last, you know, let's say, you know, you know, two or three months through this entire process, do not do that. They're, mm -hmm. they're, you know, if you want to go and you want to get a certain type of car, you essentially just like Paul, what you just mentioned was you got to do the, you got to do the legwork now. You got to do the homework now. You got to do it yourself because the dealerships are not willing to make any type of deals with any other dealerships. I mean, yes, there's the family owned dealerships and there's the conglomerates that own many different dealerships and so on. But, you know, outside of that, you know, the dealerships do not work with each other, especially in my experience, you know, this might not be the case for everyone that's listening, but in my experience, you know, if I wanted, uh, you know, that, that red, you know, that red Ford fusion, I went to a dealership that only had a black one, they would send me away and I'd have to then go Google out for the rest of the four dealerships to try to find the car that I wanted. Well, it's a little bit different than it was, but, uh, you know, that's, that's the only other thing that I would offer is, is that, uh, you know, if you're looking for something very particular, you know, Sadly, you know, the dealerships are not willing to, you know, go the extra mile anymore. And again, not saying every dealership will do this or every dealership won't do this. But, uh, you know, definitely, uh, you know, if you've got your mindset on what you want, definitely go out and find it. Oh, thank you for that, Drew. We really appreciate that. Um, we have a favor we'd like to ask our listeners. Uh, please go to YouTube and search for Financial Dads and please subscribe to our channel. We really uh, would appreciate that. Uh, well, Drew, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today, and I'm personally looking forward to our next one. Um, thanks, everyone, for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com. 
or check us out at, at Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul reminding you, managing finances can be stressful, but that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well, and thank you. Cool.